0: Hey, our message this morning is continuing on with the sermon series that we've been working through called Treasure. We believe that this is a treasure uh, that we have been given a gift called this life, but that it's packaged in this in this body. Uh, throughout history, there has often been uh, in Christianity there we've struggled over and over uh, with the separation of what is body and what is spirit. We experience this life with all of its ups and downs and difficulties, with its pandemics, with its sicknesses, with all my feelings, with with my indigestion. We experience all the real stuff of life and we say, ah, oh, this is hard. This is complex. I, I, this body that I have, I don't like it. I don't like what it does. I don't like what it thinks. And so it mustn't be of God. It must be that somewhere, some other ways, in a spiritual realm exists what is good and this is bad. Well, the hope of Jesus and the incarnation of Jesus and what this whole series is about is to bring what is spiritual and what is physical back together again into this right relationship. Because actually, this body that we have, guess what? When God made it, he said, it's good. He said, I like this. He says, I'm thrilled that I've given you this amazing body. He says, I love you. That is you in skin, you in thought, you in pain, you in sorrow, you in joy, and you in ambition. We're going to talk about ambition this morning and what it is to be an ambitious person. Being ambitious is part of what keeps us ticking, hence the theme of our sermon this morning. What does ambition look like for you? And where does it come from? This sense that I have a drive, that I wake up in the morning and I say, I wanna try something, I wanna make something, I'm gonna fix something. Or sometimes, I'm gonna gonna go yell at something, I'm gonna go be mad about something, I'm gonna um, gonna get worked up about something. Or I'm gonna go make some money, I'm I'm gonna buy something, I'm gonna get some food. Every day we have come up with a plan for how we're going to take this body and move it through the day in front of us. It's something that we've maybe been doing since we were very young and so we don't think about it very often, but actually the process of being an ambitious human uh, is actually a tremendously godly thing. When God made you and made me, God said this is good and said that this human being is made in God's image. And God's and God is ambitious. It takes a ton of ambition for God to consider uh, making the universe, then, then making these layers of this world and uh, all that is alive in it, the physics of it, chemical processes. All these things are part of God's creative, ambitious plan that we learn in the Bible as part of God's loving plan. That God made everything because he loves us. And guess what he built into you? Ambition. He gave you some of his ambitious heart that drove him to make and renew and fix and repair. And even in Jesus, which we're going to talk about, uh, to even go a great distance to show his love for you and for me. So what is this ambition? When I was young, I uh, I was ambitious. Uh, and I was learning what ambition is about. And often for me, ambition is tied to... Uh, Embarrassment. I, mean, I, I hate to be embarrassed. I hate to look back over something. Maybe even making these videos is difficult because I hear my voice or I look at something and and uh, and I feel the sense that I'm a little bit embarrassed that I tried something that I stuck myself out there a little bit and it might not work out. It might not pan out. When I write things or say things, I, I, I second guess myself. Because it's kind of rooted in embarrassment and being ambitious, but maybe not having it work out, I remember and this is an embarrassing story. I remember when I was in college and it was my first year there, and you know was uh my first year at that college I'd have been about eighteen or so, and I remember thinking i'm gonna i gonna I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit braver around the girls. I'd seen in movies this scene where you know somebody just gets a lot of courage and they walk up to a table. Uh, with a bunch of girls and they might have one in there that they want to talk to and they're bold and they're courageous well I got this in my head that I'd pull this off and uh, and it's really embarrassing because it didn't work out. I remember in the cafeteria at the school that I was at I remember that there was this girl that I had my eye on I liked her I thought she was pretty I thought she was kind I thought she was nice and kind of in my head I thought what a I'm gonna I'm gonna be courageous and I'm gonna throw some ambition and make a plan and go and talk to her well, she was always around some other girls. And so around this table, there she was. But I'd seen the movies and, and I had, had had some gumption. And so I stood up and I walked over. And this whole table, I said her name, which I forget what her name is now. But I said her name and all the other girls looked at me. Uh, some grinning, some bemused, I don't know. And they were looking as I was trying in this public space to try to like cut through the social layers to talk to this girl and she just kind of grinned and everything kind of went back and nothing became of it uh she was nice to me and but I just had no idea I and I think what I learned from that ambition is that you can stick yourself out there you can put your neck out and it does not work out your best laid plans just don't turn into something and I walked away going I don't understand this and I don't know Maybe you've had a chance where you've tried something and it didn't work out and so you just said, I'm going to recoil. I'm not going to be ambitious anymore. I'm not going to try things. I'm not going to make things. I'm not going to stick my neck out because every time I do, it just gets chopped a bit. Well, I think we're going to take a look today at ways of being ambitious that that don't work out and ways of being ambitious that actually, when placed in God, set us up for something beautiful. And to do this, we're going to look at a couple stories. And they might be surprising stories. Well, one isn't maybe so surprising, but the other one is. It's a story of Samson. In the Bible, after the children of Israel had the land that God had promised them, and they were in these 12 tribes uh, spread out over this land, the land between all these other surrounding nations, uh, they God said that you shouldn't really have a king. And so they had these people called judges. These were like m- supposed to be kind of moral rulers People to kind of formally or informally keep uh, keep the peace, keep bad guys away, uh, correct what is wrong, and they were called judges. They were people who were making things right again, and so God would raise up a judge to make things right again. Hate to be a spoiler, but almost all of them really did a bad job. God gave them the gift of His power, His presence. And they would often turn around and fail. They'd be given this gift and the ambition to go and do something, a master plan, and they would often turn it, it would just not always end well. So parts of it would end well, but parts of it really wouldn't. So the story of Samson, here's this guy, and he is given this amazing capacity, this amazing power. He he has this amazing power uh, of strength. Uh He took a vow when he was young and uh, he grew his hair long. And as long as his hair was long and he kept to his vows, then he would have this amazing strength. And the strength was to be used for God's purposes. Samson, he is ambitious. He knows he's strong. He knows that he's buff. He knows he can rip apart a lion with his bare hands. And he knows that he can take on a bunch of his scrawny enemies. He knows that he's taken this vow, and he knows God's spirit is upon him, and so he's about to enter into the world. But this is where things go bad. His ambition it 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 goes to his head. He he's a ladies' man, man. This 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 guy Samson he loves the ladies. In fact, and he loves the foreign girls too. He doesn't like the girl next next door like he should probably settle down with. No, no, no. He has his eyes on the enemies. Girls, The people that he's supposed to be defending against, he has his eyes on them. And so there's this story that I want to read just to show you how, how the story of Samson begins and what he's doing with his ambition. Listen to his ambition unfold here. It says this, Samson went down to Timnah, you have to understand Timnah is, is, is in the enemy territory, and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now go get her for me as my wife. Like what a bold kid, eh? His father and mother replied, Oh, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among our people? Must you go down to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? Must you go down to the enemies, people you're supposed to be helping us defend against? But Samson said to his mother, Get her for me. She is the right one for me. It goes on and says, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother, and they approached the vineyards of Timnah. Suddenly a young lion came roaring towards him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power, so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have a young goat. Uh, but he told neither his father or his mother what he had done, and he went down and talked to the woman, and he liked her. Here's the story of this guy. He has this power and he's going down and he's taking what he wants. He's ambitious. And it unfolds from there. Things go really poorly. He marries this girl. It doesn't go right. She she isn't the right one for him. He says, this is the right one for, for me. He has made his plans that this is the right girl for him, but he's not. She's not. She just wrecks him. Later, he's found... Uh, going to a prostitute, again, in the enemy territory, and then they try to sneak in and assassinate him while he's with this prostitute. Later, he falls in love with Delilah, and it's this very famous story where she has to get from him the secret of his strength, and he plays coy with her, and eventually he he gives up his secret that it's his hair, gets it cut off, and she hands him over to the bad guys. He's just got bad luck with the ladies. But it's more than just bad luck with the ladies. He He's ambitious for the ladies and then they end up turning on him and he 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 isn't much of a catch himself either he is somebody who is who seems so arrogant who's been given this amazing gift and every time the spirit of god comes upon him and he has his hands available to do something meaningful he just goes around slaughtering people and he does it almost with a laugh and a giggle God uses Samson in the end and the story ends where Samson uh his eyes have been gouged out by his enemy his hair has been cut off but it starts to grow back and his powers back and he is given one last chance and he's in this in this um large building where there's many many of the of his enemies taunting him and they've come around to have a big celebration they bring him out to just kind of jeer him and be entertained by this blind uh formerly strong man superhero And so he puts his hands on these pillars and God gives him some strength and he crushes those pillars and he sacrifices himself and dies and so does everybody around him. But that's about the extent of his saving work is just to kill a bunch of people. He doesn't actually repair anything. He just leaves a big void of violence in his wake. A lot of these judges kind of land in this category of people who who kind of did something good. I guess keeping the enemies away was something good, but but it didn't really solve anything. Well, Jesus has a story that sounds a bit like Samson's, doesn't it? Anyone reading the story of Jesus would have maybe heard some of those parallels right out of the gate if they would have read some of the Gospels. Here's this young Mary, and she's given a promise, met by an angel, who says, you're going to have this amazing son. And this amazing son is going to rise up and lead his people. He's going to be called this this mighty God, this Prince of Peace. What is this about? He's going to have a mission. God's going to give him a mission and the Holy Spirit's going to be in him. But guess what? Jesus is this highly ambitious person because he's given this mission from God. He's God himself. The same God who makes the the whole world is suddenly with this ambitious mission to enter into the story of God's people. Is he going to be a Samson? Well, we realize right out of the gate that he starts meeting women and instead of using them and abusing them, Guess what he does? He honors them. He cares for them. He listens to them. Instead of flaunting his power, he he is actually far more interested in the relationships that he that he keeps. Enemies and friends alike were saved by Jesus, and in the end, Jesus is offers a sacrifice too, but his sacrifice is so different, isn't it? His sacrifice instead of taking down a bunch of enemies so that he can save some of his friends. He dies himself so that his enemies and his friends could be saved. This is very different. This all-powerful, we call omniscient, omnipotent God in Jesus in human flesh with the same flesh that I have is stepping into the world with great ambition to heal the world and he does it with love. He's informed by love. Samson loved to rip things apart, and Jesus came to love and put people back together again. He healed the lepers, healed people from, even raised people from the dead. Sometimes Jesus' followers, they had ambition too. Peter was an ambitious guy. James and John, sons of thunder, we have these various people on his team, on his crew, who are following him. And guess what? They see the power of Jesus, and they're hinting that Jesus might be able to use this power for something pretty big. And at one point, some people had rejected Jesus, and so these two sons of thunder, sons of Zebedee, they said, why don't we bring some some lightning down on these people and burn them up? Jesus, why don't you use some of your secret powers to do maybe like what Samson did and rip them apart? And Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't get it. That's not what I use my ambition for. You see, Jesus had this key thing that he did, and it was called doing what his father wanted to do. His ambition was packaged, given to him by God, and then given back and said, you've given me something, this ability, this great ability. Now, Father, what would you do? I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to follow you in this. Jesus shows us that you can be remarkably ambitious, and then give that ambition to God. And even though his sacrifice leads him to a cross where he dies a criminal's death because his ambition was in God's hands, then guess what happens? God has his back. God raises Jesus from the dead, and his sacrifice wasn't just gone and lost. His sacrifice is for you and me. So I'm now given all of this ability to live like Jesus. I can take this ambition that I have, this passion that I have to do and make and fix and repair and even uh, even rebuke and be mad and all the feelings that I have about what I should do with this life, all the great plans that I have, and I can give them to God and know that they aren't going into a void. God turns that ambition, gives it back to me, and sets me to work doing what he wants me to do for my good, for my neighbor's good, and for his glory. God converts our ambition into beauty and goodness and peace and hope and love. And the sacrifice that Jesus finally made became good for all. Isn't that beautiful? Matthew 6.33, Jesus says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live rightly, righteously, righteously, And he will give you everything you need. When we think that we need to save ourselves. When I need to come up with a master plan to make sure that I'm the head of the pack. That I am right. Then it's on me to hold that together. We know how that goes. Samson Samson took all the great things that he was given and he tried to save himself. Make himself the center of the story. But Jesus says, seek first God's kingdom above all else. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. He's already saved you. You don't need to save yourself. He's already done the one who's been... He's already the one who's done the saving. Now we get to enjoy walking as saved people. Able to live open-handedly and generously with our neighbors, with our children, with our spouses, and even with ourselves. Later, Paul would write to the Ephesians, and he would outlay this a little bit more. That... Uh, that their ambition is well-placed when it's put in God. He says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you, you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. God saved you and it is a gift. When my ambition is all about me, then I get to take credit for it. I get to show off something and say, look at what I did. But when it's a gift, we don't take credit for it. We point back to God and we say, ah, this good thing that I'm doing this good thing that I'm pursuing, this thing that I'm making or fixing, guess what? It's a gift from God. My ambition becomes a gift. And I can point back to him and say, oh man, this is all from him. Do you want to be a part of it? Anyway, it goes on. So you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. There's a humility here. Our ambition when put in God's hand is met with humility. And that's where we live, in this humble zone. And get this, for we are God's masterpiece, it says in Ephesians 2. We are God's masterpiece. God made you. When you're a masterpiece made in love and grace by God, you suddenly can turn your ambition around. You can live like Jesus, who didn't seek to become Caesar or the ruler of the realm. Nah, he took this humble road because he knew who he was. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things. You are God's masterpiece so that you can do good things because of Jesus. So your ambition was planned for. Ambition was built inside of you. It is a gift from God, and and your ambition is covered. Grace is covering you. Salvation is covering you. So you can ambitiously create. You can ambitiously forgive. You can ambitiously love. You can ambitiously care for your family. You can ambitiously pursue your job. You can be ambitious in what you do because your ambition is a gift built into you because you are God's masterpiece. What a cool thing. What an amazing scripture from Ephesians 2. So I want to end end with this. Think of your ambition and your desires like a garden. I love garden metaphors, but this one is particularly meaningful, I think. Think of your ambition mostly like a garden, not like a machine. I think Samson went into the world thinking he could just impose his power and strength into a world and somehow it will pop back out something good. That's not what Jesus shows us. Jesus shows, enters in with humility, and he nurtures something. He nurtures his followers. He nurtures his prayer life with the Father so he can listen well to what the Father is inviting him into. He's nurturing a garden, and in a small place. In this little area on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, he's taking a small place and nurturing a garden. And it's not below him. It's a perfect place to put his ambition. There's an edge to our gardens. My garden... It's just this 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 big there's an edge to it i've been given something small to tend to it's a gift that i can care for it's something i've been given i can't manufacture what happens there but i can only nurture and protect it so direct your ambition to what is growing right in front of you today right in front of you your kids your spouse your family your co-workers The person you see at the store, whatever is right in front of you, direct your ambition there and it's not too small. In fact, it might be just the right size. And then follow the Master, the one who made you and made the world and knows where your ambition should go. Listen to the Father's voice and be bold in your care and love and live into this body that you have, knowing that every physical thing you do is connected to God. It's not outside of it. This is your ambition. And God is behind you all the way. Friends, may you be humble in your offering of ambition back to God. Grateful for what he's given you. And give it back. And then listen to where you're supposed to place it. In humility, in the garden you've been given. And then go for it. Be bold. Be courageous. Be full of love. Honor people. Care for them well. Hebrews 10 23 24 says this and i'm going to say this is a bit of a benediction it says let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for god can be trusted to keep his promise let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works friends in this strange season may you In Jesus' name, motivate each other to acts of love and good works. May your ambition draw others into love for each other. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. My ambitious, wonderful friends, we have a God who we can trust and who loves us. And you are his masterpiece. Go in peace this week. Amen.